Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Scott, so you're innocent until proven guilty. I respect that, and this man deserves his... His, his day in court, but when you have 67 charges laid against you, criminal charges laid against you, is that sufficient reason for the Crown to, re- to decide to apply for dangerous offender status? Well, it, it's obviously relevant, and uh, the criminal code itself lays out the criteria for uh, the court to decide that somebody uh, is going to be given that label. It's in Section 753 of the criminal code, and it um, actually references the fact of the individual um, hit their behavior uh, being something that is repetitive in nature, uh, that it, it uh, constitutes a threat to the uh, life, safety, or physical, mental well-being of other persons, patterns of re- um, repetitive behavior, uh, uh, patterns of uh, persistent aggressive behavior, and um, it, equally the circumstances of the offenses. And you're right that there's a procedure that has to be gone through uh, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I, I did prosecute some guys uh, who were uh, uh, repeat uh, sex offenders against kids. Uh, I swear I developed my enthusiasm for the Bith rehabilitation strategy. That's bullet in the head. However, that's another story. Uh, but the thing about this is, is that what immediately struck me when I saw this was that, um, was this guy a repeat offender? Because these kinds of people, and, and as you uh, uh, laid out, you know? were describing the, the charges, yeah. you know, um, uh, 60 plus charges, 11 little boys yeah. involved, that suggests somebody that has a pattern of it. And as I was reading through the story, I also saw that uh, apart from the charges that he's, uh, he's got, uh, all sexual offenses against these uh, boys, sexual interference, sexual assault, but it, the stories also report, as did the police, I checked it out, that. Um, all of the boys were under the age of 16, and that in having them over there, he breached a court-imposed condition. Well, wait a minute. Was he on bail? Was he on probation, a conditional sentence? Did he add previous convictions? You know, that's, that's not in any of the reporting that's been going on. And as you and I have talked about over the years, yes, you always want to examine and follow the specifics of a, a particular case, but you also want to look and keep in mind the systemic issues. I used to refer to it as going uh, beyond the headlines. And um, also, I mean, if there were court-imposed conditions on him, number one, you know, were they, su- were they sufficient? Is he charged with uh, offenses in relation to that? Those are all questions that need to be asked and need to be answered. And I'll ask right. one final thing, Roy. Um, your comment that uh, if he is designated a dangerous offender, and i got to tell you, these kinds of cases and this one sounds like it, there is almost always very, very strong evidence, which is why a lot of these guys end up pleading guilty. Um, But you're correct that the dangerous offender designation means that the person gets an indefinite uh, sentence. But uh, guess what, folks? This is Canada. You know what? He's eligible for parole in seven years. Regardless. Yes. So it's, it's, I think it's a manifestation of our say one thing, do another justice system, yeah. okay? And people need to know the truth about how the system works and doesn't work, which is why I would like to know what's, the, you know, what's going on about this previous court-imposed condition. What was that on? What was the, did he have that for? That, you know, in other words, and you're correct that there are rules about not putting any previous conviction facts out there, but it's something that 
people need to be aware of so that at the end of the day, when the time is appropriate, that we can ask those right questions to make sure we get the right answers. Scott, for the average person like me, I mean, I, I've, everything I know about the justice system, I've said this many times, I've learned from you over the years. Um, for the average person, seeing a 67 charges, criminal charges situation involving um, 11, 11 boys in sexual abuse case, it just seems... It just seems right, or it just seems like it would just happen, uh, part of the system, part of the setup, part of the expectation, part of the rules, that you would be charged with a dangerous offender designation. doesn't mean you're automatically going to be declared a dangerous offender, but the Crown has to apply it or apply uh, for it at the beginning of the case. It just seems like it, it, would, it would just happen. Yeah, but I, that's I not the case. So let me, let me ask right you this. Let, let me just ask you is. this, Scott. How often is a dangerous offender designation granted? Or at least uh, the application granted. Um, I don't know what the statistics are specifically, but uh, they're relatively rarely, the applications are relatively rarely brought. And we now also have what's called long-term supervision orders so that somebody, for example, who has, and this is particularly applied to repeat offenders, um, who might not meet the criteria as set out in the criminal code for the dangerous offender, designation they can be uh, determined to be long-term offenders which means they get the sentence but in addition to um, at the end of what when that uh, sentence expires they're subject to a long-term supervision uh, order of up to 10 years the breach of which is itself a crime so i would say yes i think your instincts are correct about this and the criteria is laid out in the criminal code and the crown you have to go through a process of you know the trial on the actual charges and then the notification that the Crown seeks the designation, and as well, there's got to be a referral for a psychiatric assessment, and then it's measured against the criteria that are there. But as I say, these kinds of cases, and if you've got this number of witnesses, okay, and it's been going on for, it sounds like, you know, um, three years, um, I think the Crown is likely going to have a very strong case. One of the other things is that they apparently got wind of it, that something was going on up there in this little town about a month ago, uh, and they just laid the charges on, uh, arrested the guy and laid the charges on Thursday. So I sure hope, you know, there was no charges between when the investigation started or no abuse between when the investigation started and when the, uh, the charges were actually laid. And the fact that this guy, and I'm uh, like 99% uh, certain that there's, if he had a court-imposed condition on him, that means there's, he's got some kind of a history because apparently the condition prohibited uh, boys under the age of 16 from being in this house. Oh, I think that that's speaks. likely a clue, which is something that's going to yeah. add to the likelihood that this guy will be designated a dangerous offender. Let me ask you one more question in the time we have left. Uh, I'm not sure about this, uh, so I'm, I'm sure you know. Is there any special aspect or designation within the justice system of Canada or the criminal code of Canada when it comes to crimes against children? Well, yes. The um, uh, There are specific crimes that relate to sex crimes in particular against uh, children, and those are factors that are considered in the designations of whether or not a person should be designated as a dangerous offender. So, yes, that is definitely recognized by our uh, criminal code, appropriately so, and by our courts, even without the criminal code, as an aggravating factor, as it well should be. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.